And we are here with Dr. Benjamin Markham from the Stephenville Medical and Surgical Center. Dr. Markham, thank you for joining us again today. We really appreciate it. Sure thing. All right. I wanted to start with uh, just kind of your take on something, you know. Uh, there was an email yesterday stating that there are 23 uh, new cases here at Tarleton just in the last week. Uh, large gatherings where social distancing and mask wearing were not observed and emails uh, from yesterday were from a student and a staff person at Central that had tested positive. And I just wanted to see where uh, where would you say we stand right now in Stephenville and Erath? Is this more than you expected or are these still relatively low numbers? I mean, I think we're right back where where I expected it to be. You know, I mean, it, <clears throat> Tarleton is not the only university that has a problem with students um, not social distancing and not taking uh, the precautions that we put in place seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's it's to be expected. You know, I mean, uh, lots of Tarleton kids they just you know they they all think they're ten foot tall and bulletproof, and um, yeah. so it just it, it, young young people are that way. And so we expect there to be some degree of non-compliance. You know, those of us who are in leadership roles have done everything we possibly can to keep people safe, but there's always going to be a few who don't. And and I know uh, Dr. Hurley's been pleased that the vast majority of students in Charleston have done what they need to do. And, yeah. and it's just a small few of those who, who might have, who might have uh, kind of flaunted the rules a little bit. And so, you know, I expect that they'll come around. I, I, I knew there would be more cases at this point. I mean, it's just inevitable it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, and so you know we just when we get groups of people who don't usually spend close uh, time close to each other, if you put them together, well then there's going to be some spread of the virus, and it's just it's just kind of inevitable. The the hope is is that we kind of keep it under control so that we can continue to keep going to school uh, and going to class and uh, in Charleston, and um, that we don't have to shut everything down completely where everything's online and then we're all staying home again. Yeah. So. And that's, that's certainly our goal is, is to not let that happen. And so I think the majority of people know that that could be a consequence um, if we don't try to keep the virus in check and, and they're doing their best to keep it that way. And I applaud those efforts and ask those of you who may not have to uh, to try to get on board. Yeah, I would say that from my perspective, uh, students by and large are uh, doing really, really good with that and faculty and staff as well. Um, and uh, so definitely not out of the realms of what would be expected at this point with s- school starting and students coming back. Absolutely not. And, and even if we take every precaution and everybody wears a mask and everybody washes their hands, there's still going to be an uptick in cases just because you have more people congregating. And there's just nothing you can do about that. Yeah. It's the cases that happen because people don't do what they ought, they know they ought to that, mm-hmm. that are frustrating. But, you know, even in the ISD, you know, I drop off my daughter every morning and uh, in the in the uh, elementary schools, I have noticed increased compliance with mask wearing amongst uh, elementary age uh, children, and so you know those parents and those kids are taking it seriously, and they're they're getting on board, so they're doing great. Yeah, and I, I wanted to touch on that. Um, the uh, ISD sent out a video earlier of uh, yourself with your kids and uh, talking about wearing masks. And uh, your son is in kindergarten, I believe. And so would you suggest right. that uh, kids as young as pre-K and kindergarten wear masks? I mean, I guess that's what you're suggesting in the video, but just touch on that if yeah. you can. Yeah, I do. You know, it, it's not a requirement from the Texas Education Agency that those kids wear those masks um, for them to go to school because... Mm-hmm. Realistically, there's some of those kids that just won't or can't. But the best we can try to do that, 
um, the more likely your kid is not going to have to quarantine. So if your teacher, if a teacher or a staff member becomes ill, or a class member becomes ill, and your child was wearing a mask, well then, according to the TEA rules and the ISD rules, your child is not going to have to quarantine for 14 days. But if your kid was at school without a mask and their teacher becomes sick, well then they're going to be home for two days, and you're going to have to figure out what to do for the or sorry, the two weeks. Yeah. Uh, for 14 days, you're going to have to try to figure out what to do with those kids uh, for 14 days. And then you may become sick and miss work for two weeks. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's really cheap insurance. If you can make sure that your child is wearing a mask, um, then you'll be able to continue to send your, your child to school, even if they are in contact with someone who's sick. And yeah. so, um, yeah, if you can get your kid to wear a mask, and, and mine do fine. You know, we practice with them. They're used to it. They know why they're wearing a mask, and they know how to do it appropriately. And, uh, and so they're doing it. And their teachers know that we expect for our children to wear a mask. And then all their teachers have to say is, if you don't wear your mask, I'm going to touch base with your parents. And yeah. then my kids put it on because they know that, that mom and dad are not going to be happy. So, yeah. um, so you know, my even, my even my kindergartner knows that he needs to wear that mask. And he knows that him wearing it is protecting his ability to go to school. Yeah. And uh, so, so anyway, he's excited about that and he's wearing it. For sure. And so it's not an all or none. Like the more pe- kids that are wearing a mask, the better the outcome overall. Right. And the more we will limit the virus's spread, you know, we'll just have less cases. The more people wear masks, the less cases you have. It's an inverse relationship. Yeah. So. And, uh, and so we, the, the science, I mean, it's been studied and studied and studied and studied. We know that wearing a mask cuts down on the number of cases. It's not going to stop all of them, but it'll cut it down. Yeah, so saying, uh, well, none of the other kids are wearing a mask, so we shouldn't really isn't the best uh, way to look at that. Right. I yeah. tell my kids that, that I'm not in charge of those other children. I'm not their parent, yeah. but I'm, I'm my kid's parent, and so that's what we're going to do. Yeah, okay. That's uh, great advice, and we appreciate it. Um, so uh, a few weeks ago, well, just a, one more thing on the mask. I was kind of curious from your perspective. You know, some people wear cloth masks some are wearing the neck i believe they're called gaiters that pull up over the face and some you know paper mask or bandanas is there like a preferred uh solution of that for you like would there be a type that you would suggest if someone had the ability to choose good question yeah wake forest actually did a study on this and they studied how many droplets are stopped by by different materials and of course the thicker the material the more droplets you stop Mm -hmm. Um, if you have a real porous uh, mask like a gator, it's going to stop a few, but it'll stop some, but it won't stop near as many as if you're wearing a surgical mask or, or even a cloth mask that has a homemade filter inserted into it. And so while our regulatory bodies have not said you have to wear a certain type of mask, if you're going to wear a mask for the purposes of trying to stop the spread of COVID-19, it makes sense to get one that has less pores. Uh-huh. You know that the, the fabric is woven more tightly, and honestly, the you know obviously the more layers there are to it, the better. Now we don't want you to put so many layers that you just can't breathe. And I've had some masks that I just can't use because you get two or three layers in there and you just can't use it. But yeah. um, you know that you want to find whatever you can use and be comfortable with, but is the thickest material. And you can just Google uh, Wake Forest mask study. And you'll find that study that, that kind of lists which material is best for the mask Okay. Uh, whenever you're, you're, you're using those. So the thicker the mask, the more it's going to stop. Okay? Yeah. I mean, it's just, 
pretty obvious. So, and the paper masks, are those, is that similar um, to what a surgical like a, mask a surgical is? Or? Mask? Yeah. Yeah, surgical mask. Yeah, you know, a surgical mask does pretty well, you know, and obviously we use it for surgery. It, it's not mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. You know, the virus, the virion itself, of course, is smaller than the pores in a surgical mask. The only thing that's going to stop the actual virion is like an N95, right? We don't yeah. all have N95 masks. But what we're really trying to stop is those droplets and aerosols. Right, and those, those, those uh, tiny little droplets are larger than the pores of a surgical mask, and you'll stop the majority of those just by wearing a surgical mask. And those are breathable; they're easy to breathe in. Of course, I've used them all through my training and my practice, um, and never had any trouble breathing through a surgical mask. Yeah. So, and there, there, you know, whenever this pandemic started, there was a huge shortage of surgical masks, but it's much easier to come by now. If you you know, put in a little bit of effort, you can find a box of surgical masks, and, and that would be just as good as any homemade mask that you have at home. Yeah, and for anybody at a business here in town that's either running a business or works somewhere, the uh, Chamber of Commerce has uh, masks available for you and your business for uh, yourselves and for customers as well. So, um, there's yeah, that. just call up July. She'll help you out. Um, well, uh, one more question for you. Um, you know, we are kind of heading in towards the end of summer, although it doesn't really feel like it outside, but... Um, it is technically, you know, coming towards the end of summer. One of the big talks, you know, earlier on in this whole thing back in March and April were what is going to happen in the fall. Do you see there being a big uh, change or a big impact when we switch from summer to fall or at least from now that it's warm when it gets cooler? Right. You know, I, I think the impact we will see is not so much from the weather, but just from the fact that more people congregate in the fall than yeah. they do in the summer. And, and you know, that's, that's the number one driver for the spread of this virus is just how many people get together. And, you know, we've proven that, that gatherings in the summer still produce outbreaks. Mm-hmm. So it, it, in my mind, I mean, it, maybe it doesn't spread as easily in the heat. Maybe it's a little bit better to spread in the – it's easier to spread in cooler months. But really the weather has no bearing on this. What, what the bearing that – what has the most bearing is how many people you're around in close contact. Yeah. Um, and – you know, when you get circles of people who don't usually get around each other and you start intermingling those circles, um, then that's when that's when uh, outbreaks blossom. And that's what we're doing with school. And, you know, we at some point we just have to do it. We can't we can't live in a bubble for the rest of our lives. I mean, yeah. I, I totally understand that concept. And so basically, you know, the attitude is, well, you know, we're back in school, so we're just going to brace for what happens and mm-hmm. do our best to limit the spread. As we do congregate, do those things that we know that we can do to limit that spread. And so um, that's why wearing a mask and washing hands and trying to stay six feet away from people as best you can is is good. Yeah, for sure. And I I did hear on uh, the New York Times podcast, The Daily, they were talking uh, about the fall and saying that there's a good chance that the uh, uh, flu cases would be down as well from what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we've (laughs) as long as I've been in a position, we've asked people to wash their hands and cover their coughs and, mm-hmm. you know, not sneeze on each other and all that business. Um, but, you know, flu is flu, and people aren't too scared or worried about the flu. They're just mm-hmm. like, well, if I get the flu, I get the flu, even though I think we ought to treat it with a little bit more respect than that. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. You know, as we're trying to – we shut the flu – we shut the, shut the flu season down at the end of March last year when we all started socially distancing and wearing masks. We were seeing flu cases pretty consistently coming through our clinic, and then it's like somebody just turned off the spigot. Really? The flu stopped, dead in its tracks. And we had hardly any summer cold 
I had hardly anyone coming in with the sniffles over the summer. Yeah. We had some allergies, but golly, we just didn't have very many uh, respiratory infections that weren't uh, COVID. <clears throat> we had the occasional bronchitis or strep. But um, we, I haven't seen near the number of just plain old viral illnesses that we typically see. Okay. So aside from COVID, some other positive effects of distancing and mask wearing and hand washing. Right. Well, Dr. Markham, thank you so much for coming on again with us today. And we hope to talk to you My again pleasure. in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Sure.